Chapter Sixteen of Cousin Pons by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Sixteen. The greater part of Pons's collection was installed in a great old-fashioned salon, such as French architects used to build for the old noblesse. A room twenty-five feet broad, some thirty feet in length, and thirteen in height. Pons's pictures, to the number of sixty-seven, hung upon the white and gold-panelled walls. Time, however, had reddened the gold and softened the white to an ivory tint, so that the whole was toned down, and the general effect subordinated to the effect of the pictures. Fourteen statues stood on pedestals set in the corners of the room, or among the pictures, or on brackets inlaid by boules sideboards of carved ebony royally rich surrounded the walls to elbow height all the shelves filled with curiosities in the middle of the room stood a row of carved credence tables covered with rare miracles of handicraft with ivories and bronzes wood carvings and enamels jewellery and porcelain as soon as elie magus entered the sanctuary he went straight to the four masterpieces he saw at a glance that these were the gems of pons's collection and masters lacking in his own for elie magus these were the naturalists desiderata for which men undertake long voyages from east to west through deserts and tropical countries across southern savannas through virgin forests the first was a painting by sebastian del piombo the second a fra bartolomeo della porta the third a hobama landscape and the fourth and last a durer a portrait of a woman four diamonds indeed in the history of art sebastian del piombo is like a shining point in which three schools meet each bringing its preeminent qualities a venetian painter he came to rome to learn the manner of raphael under the direction of michelangelo who would fain oppose raphael on his own ground by pitting one of his own lieutenants against the reigning king of art and so it came to pass that in del piombo's indolent genius venetian colour was blended with florentine composition and a something of raphael's manner in the few pictures which he deigned to paint and the sketches were made for him it is said by michelangelo himself if you would see the perfection to which the painter attained armed as he was with triple power go to the louvre and look at the baccio bandinelli portrait you might place it beside titian's man with a glove or by that other portrait of an old man in which raphael's consummate skill blends with correggio's art or again compare it with leonardo da vinci's charles the eighth and the picture would scarcely lose the four pearls are equal there is the same lustre and sheen the same rounded completeness the same brilliancy art can go no further than this art has risen above nature since nature only gives her creatures a few brief years of life pons possessed one example of this immortal great genius and incurably indolent painter it was a knight of malta a templar kneeling in prayer the picture was painted on slate and in its unfaded colour and its finish was immeasurably finer than the baccio bandinelli fra bartolomeo was represented by a holy family which many connoisseurs might have taken for a raphael 
the hobama would have fetched sixty thousand francs at a public sale and as for the durer it was equal to the famous holzschuer portrait at nuremberg for which the kings of bavaria holland and prussia have vainly offered two hundred thousand francs again and again was it the portrait of the wife or the daughter of holzschuer albrecht durer's personal friend the hypothesis seems to be a certainty for the attitude of the figure in pons's picture suggests that it is meant for a pendant the position of the coat of arms is the same as in the nuremberg portrait and finally the aetatis suae forty one accords perfectly with the age inscribed on the picture religiously kept by the holzschuers of nuremberg and but recently engraved the tears stood in elie magus's eyes as he looked from one masterpiece to another he turned round to la cibot i will give you a commission of two thousand francs on each of the pictures if you can arrange that i shall have them for forty thousand francs he said la cibot was amazed at this good fortune dropped from the sky admiration or to be more accurate delirious joy had wrought such havoc in the jew's brain that it had actually unsettled his habitual greed and he fell headlong into enthusiasm as you see and i put in remonencq who knew nothing about pictures everything here is equally good the jew said cunningly lowering his voice for remonencq's ears take ten pictures just as they come and on the same conditions your fortune will be made again the three thieves looked each other in the face each one of them overcome with the keenest of all joys sated greed all of a sudden the sick man's voice rang through the room the tones vibrated like the strokes of a bell who is there called pons monsieur just go back to bed exclaimed la cibot springing upon pons and dragging him by main force what next have you a mind to kill yourself very well then it is not dr poulain it is remonencq good soul so anxious that he has come to ask after you everybody is so fond of you that the whole house is in a flutter so what is there to fear it seems to me that there are several of you said pons several that is good what next are you dreaming you will go off your head before you have done upon my word here look and la cibot flung open the door signed to magus to go and beckoned to remonencq well my dear sir said the auvergnat now supplied with something to say i just came to ask after you for the whole house is alarmed about you nobody likes death to set foot in a house and lastly daddy monistrol whom you know very well told me to tell you that if you wanted money he was at your service he sent you here to take a look round at my knick-knacks returned the old collector from his bed and the sour tones of his voice were full of suspicion a sufferer from liver complaint nearly always takes momentary and special dislikes to some person or thing and concentrates all his ill-humour upon the object pons imagined that some one had designs upon his precious collection the thought of guarding it became a fixed idea with him schmucke was continually sent to see if anyone had stolen into the sanctuary 
your collection is fine enough to attract the attention of chiner remonenc answered astutely i am not much in the art line myself but you are supposed to be such a great connoisseur sir that with my eyes shut supposing for instance that you should need money some time or other for nothing costs so much as these confounded illnesses there was my sister now when she would have got better again just as well without doctors are rascals that take advantage of your condition to thank you good day good day broke in pons eyeing the marine store-dealer uneasily i will go to the door with him for fear he should touch something la cibot whispered to her patient yes yes answered the invalid thanking her by a glance la cibot shut the bedroom door behind her and pons's suspicions awoke again at once she found magus standing motionless before the four pictures his immobility his admiration can only be understood by other souls open to ideal beauty to the ineffable joy of beholding art made perfect such as these can stand for whole hours before the antiope correggio's masterpiece before leonarda's gioconda titian's mistress andrea del sarto's holy family domenichino's children among the flowers raphael's little cameo or his portrait of an old man art's greatest masterpieces be quick and go and make no noise said la cibot the jew walked slowly backwards giving the pictures such a farewell gaze as a lover gives his love outside on the landing la cibot tapped his bony arm his rapt contemplations had put an idea into her head make it four thousand francs for each picture said she or i do nothing i am so poor began magus i want the pictures simply for their own sake simply and solely for the love of art my dear lady i can understand that love sonny you are so dried up but if you do not promise me sixteen thousand francs now before remonenc here i shall want twenty to-morrow sixteen i promise returned the jew frightened by the woman's rapacity la cibot turned to remonenc what oath can a jew swear she inquired you may trust him replied the marine store-dealer he is as honest as i am very well and you asked she if i get him to sell them to you what will you give me half share of profits remonenc answered briskly i would rather have a lump sum returned la cibot i am not in business myself you understand business uncommonly well put in elie magus smiling a famous saleswoman you would make i want her to take me into partnership me and my goods said the auvergnat as he took la cibot's plump arm and gave it playful taps like hammer strokes i don't ask her to bring anything into the firm but her good looks you are making a mistake when you stick to your turk of a cibot and his needle is a little bit of a porter the man to make a woman rich a fine woman like you ah what a figure you would make in a shop on the boulevard all among the curiosities gossiping with amateurs and twisting them round your fingers just you leave your lodge as soon as you have lined your purse here and you shall see what will become of us both lined my purse cried cibot i am incapable of taking the worth of a single pin 
you mind that remonenc i am known in the neighborhood for an honest woman i am la cibot's eyes flashed fire there never mind said elie magus this auvergnat seems to be too fond of you to mean to insult you how she would draw on the customers cried the auvergnat madame cibot softened at this be fair sonnies quoth she and judge for yourselves how i am placed these ten years past i have been wearing my life out for these two old bachelors yonder and neither of them has given me anything but words remonenc will tell you that i feed them by contract and lose twenty or thirty sous a day all my savings have gone that way by the soul of my mother the only author of my days that i ever knew this is as true as that i live and that this is the light of day and may my coffee poison me if i lie about a farthing well there is one up there that will die soon eh and he the richer of the two that i have treated like my own children would you believe it my dear sir i have told him over and over again for days past that he is at death's door for dr poulain has given him up he could not say less about putting my name down in his will we shall only get our due by taking it upon my word as an honest woman for as for trusting to the next of kin no fear there look you here words don't stink it is a bad world that is true elie magus answered cunningly that is true and it is just the like of us that are among the best he added looking at remonenc just let me be returned la cibot i am not speaking of you pressing company is always accepted as the old actor said i swear to you that the two gentlemen already owe me nearly three thousand francs the little i have is gone by now in medicine and things on their account and now suppose they refuse to recognize my advances i am so stupidly honest that i did not dare to say nothing to them about it now you that are in business my dear sir do you advise me to go to a lawyer a lawyer cried remonenc you know more about it than all the lawyers put together just at that moment a sound echoed in the great staircase a sound as if some heavy body had fallen in the dining-room oh goodness me exclaimed la cibot it seems to me that monsieur has just taken a ticket for the ground floor she pushed her fellow-conspirators out at the door and while the pair descended the stairs with remarkable agility she ran to the dining-room and there beheld pons in his shirt stretched out upon the tiles he had fainted she lifted him as if he had been a feather carried him back to his room laid him in bed burned feathers under his nose bathed his temples with eau de cologne and at last brought him to consciousness when she saw his eyes unclose and life return she stood over him hands on hips no slippers in your shirt that is the way to kill yourself why do you suspect me if this is to be the way of it i wish you good day sir here have i served you these ten years i have spent money on you till my savings are all gone to spare trouble to that poor monsieur schmucke crying like a child on the stairs and this is my reward you have been spying on me god has punished you it serves you right here i am straining myself to carry you running the risk of doing myself a mischief that i shall feel all my days 
oh dear oh dear and the door left open too you were talking with some one who was it here are notions cried la cibot what next am i your bond-slave am i to give account of myself to you do you know that if you bother me like this i shall clear out you shall take a nurse frightened by this threat pons unwittingly allowed la cibot to see the extent of the power of her sword of damocles it is my illness he pleaded piteously it is as you please la cibot answered roughly she went pons confused remorseful admiring his nurse's scalding devotion reproached himself for his behavior the fall on the paved floor of the dining-room had shaken and bruised him and aggravated his illness but pons was scarcely conscious of his physical sufferings la cibot met schmucke on the staircase come here sir she said there is bad news that there is monsieur pons is going off his head just think of it he got up with nothing on he came after me and down he came full length ask him why he knows nothing about it he is in a bad way i did nothing to provoke such violence unless perhaps i waked up ideas by talking to him of his early amours who knows men old libertines that they are i ought not to have shown him my arms when his eyes were glittering like carbuckles schmucke listened madame cibot might have been talking hebrew for anything that he understood i have given myself a wrench that i shall feel all my days added she making as though she were in great pain her arms did as a matter of fact ache a little and the muscular fatigue suggested an idea which she proceeded to turn to profit so stupid i am when i saw him lying there on the floor i just took him up in my arms as if he had been a child and carried him back to bed i did and i strained myself i can feel it now oh how it hurts i am going downstairs look after our patient i will send cibot for dr poulain i had rather die outright than be crippled la cibot crawled downstairs clinging to the banisters and writhing and groaning so piteously that the tenants in alarm came out upon their landings schmucke supported the suffering creature and told the story of la cibot's devotion the tears running down his cheeks as he spoke before very long the whole house the whole neighborhood indeed had heard of madame cibot's heroism she had given herself a dangerous strain it was said with lifting one of the nutcrackers schmucke meanwhile went to pons's bedside with the tale their factotum was in a frightful state what shall we do without her they said as they looked at each other but pons was so plainly the worse for his escapade that schmucke did not dare to scold him confounded prick-a-prack i would sooner pern dem than loose mine friend he cried when pons told him of the cause of the accident to suspect montamzipode dot lend us her savings it is not goot but it is their illness ah what an illness i am not the same man i can feel it said pons my dear schmucke if only you did not suffer through me scold me schmucke answered and leaf montamzipode in peace 
as for madame cibot she soon recovered in dr poulain's hands and her restoration bordering on the miraculous shed additional lustre on her name and fame in the marais pons attributed the success to the excellent constitution of the patient who resumed her ministrations seven days later to the great satisfaction of her two gentlemen her influence in their household and her tyranny was increased a hundredfold by the accident in the course of a week the two nutcrackers ran into debt madame cibot paid the outstanding amounts and took the opportunity to obtain from schmucke how easily a receipt for two thousand francs which she had lent she said to the friends oh what a doctor monsieur poulain is cried la cibot for pons's benefit he will bring you through my dear sir for he pulled me out of my coffin cibot poor man thought i was dead well dr poulain will have told you that while i was in bed i thought of nothing but you god above said i take me and let my dear monsieur pons live poor dear madame cibot you all but crippled yourself for me ah but for dr poulain i should have been put to bed with a shovel by now as we shall all be one day well what must be must as the old actor said one must take things philosophically how did you get on without me schmucke nursed me said the invalid but our poor money-box and our lessons have suffered i do not know how he managed calm yourself bons exclaimed schmucke we have in zipode ein panker do not speak of it my lamb you are our children both of you cried la cibot our savings will be well invested you are safer than the bank so long as we have a morsel of bread half of it is yours it is not worth mentioning poor montamzipode said schmucke and he went pons said nothing would you believe it my cherub said la cibot as the sick man tossed uneasily in my agony for it was a near squeak for me the thing that worried me most was the thought that i must leave you alone with no one to look after you and my poor cibot without a farthing my savings are such a trifle that i only mention them in connection with my death and cibot an angel that he is no he nursed me as if i had been a queen he did and cried like a calf over me but i counted on you upon my word i said to him there cibot my gentleman will not let you starve pons made no reply to this thrust ad testamentum but as the portress waited for him to say something i shall recommend you to monsieur schmucke he said at last ah cried la cibot whatever you do will be right i trust in you and your heart let us never talk of this again you make me feel ashamed my cherub think of getting better you will outlive us all yet profound uneasiness filled madame cibot's mind she cast about for some way of making the sick man understand that she expected a legacy that evening when schmucke was eating his dinner as usual by pons's bedside she went out hoping to find dr poulain at home End of chapter sixteen